there a doctor in the house? Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a bad case of loving you. Doctor. 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 And doctor. It's time for Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Rashid Batar. I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. I'm a doctor, not a mechanic. I'm a doctor, not a coal miner. The doctor is in. Taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom and making sense out of medical propaganda. The voice of health, freedom, and liberty, Robert Scott Bell. Here it is. It's Advanced Medicine Monday, the Medical Rewind. It is on. Dr. Batar is here. And no, it's just Dr. Batar. We had a blast with uh, Liam Sheff last week, though. I had to say, that was a hoot. It was uh, a lot of fun. And actually, the week before that, we did... Ty Bollinger's, we've had a couple of other people with us on Advanced Medicine Mondays the last couple of weeks. Yeah, well, they've been great shows. And in fact, Liam's was so good, we couldn't stop. And we did an, an extra inning segment, which uh, has been blasting around the, the country to hear. And I think the discussion we did, certainly taboo for much of the official stories that happen in modern medicine. Yeah, actually, Robert, I was going to ask you about that because some people have commented on that particular extension. Is that part of the show or is that something that they can... They have to download separately. Well, it's a, it's a separate download. We have a link at the, to the podcast on the Robert Scott Bell website, robertscottbell.com. We also have a YouTube link. And if you don't have it, Dr. Batar, I'll make sure that my, my producer, Super Don, gets it to you so you can post the YouTube link. They can actually watch and listen at the same time. Okay, that sounds great. Yeah. I think a number of patients have asked about that. That's the only reason I brought it up. No, it, well, it's a good reason because it's, it's definitely another layer of, uh, let's say, the reality that's been hidden from all of us. And unless we went digging for it, you know, we just kind of go on in our area of expertise. And sometimes it's kind of on the side there. We don't pay much attention. But, we, you know, we figured out that there have been, I don't know how many billions of dollars thrown towards the research into a virus that's not been isolated yet? I mean, it's stunning when people say, well, it doesn't affect me. I'm not in a risk group. I was like, dude, you know how much money you've spent and your kids are spending on this? Yeah, it's a very, very good point, and it's something that most of us are not aware of. It escapes the general population. Yeah, and speaking of money and wealth, there's a guy by the name of Donald Trump, and I I usually have funny things to say about him because he's very outspoken. I appreciate outspoken people. I think we do, but he's not fully informed on a lot of uh, medical or other issues. In this particular case, though, I covered it a little bit yesterday, Dr. Batar. He actually came out and used, used his Twitter, and he tweeted something that, the mainstream medical establishment is not too pleased about. And it, it was the medical doctor from ABC News, the medical editor, actually commented and told him that his, his uh, statements were shameful because he actually linked vaccines to autism. Yeah, actually, <clears throat> this is the one thing I've known about this about Trump for a while because the people that put together our Know Your Options, the medical series DVDs, they're the same people that also do some production for Donald Trump, and they do uh, association with uh, another company called ACN. They've done a lot of production with him. And so I was very well aware of Donald Trump's interest in autism and his awareness that there's a direct link between mercury and autism. Now, of course, he talks about it specifically with vaccines, but it's not just vaccines, as we all know. It's, it's the total mercury burden of which the vaccines is a significant portion since it's all loaded on a newborn baby the first day on the planet. And 
I don't think that autism is just exclusively the mercury coming from vaccines. It's also the maternal amalgam load. It's the uh, inhalation of the combustion of uh, fossil fuels that the child or the mother have been exposed to. There's so many other things, but certainly injecting a vaccine that's laden with mercury is a significant component of that. And so Donald Trump's comments that were sent out on Twitter are not surprising at all. What is surprising is the method in which it was responded to by this Richard Bessner, the ABC News chief health and medical editor. Yeah, what I find interesting about what Besser said, uh, this ABC News medical editor, is the way he talked about it. If you're a medical editor, you think you would talk in terms of the science about, okay, Donald Trump says vaccines related to autism in young children. He actually said, you know, and, and, and I don't think Trump comes out against vaccines. He's not that, you know, far along as we as we would describe here. But he says spread shots over a long period of time and watch positive result. So it's not even that he's coming out, I hate vaccines, they should be banned, right? But they cannot let any of this eke out because Donald Trump has influence, as we know. He's out there, media influence and economic influence, etc. So we've got to respond and react accordingly. And I guess maybe they realize that the public, Dr. Bittar, not being quote-unquote medically oriented to the language, they're more likely to react to religious terms, like it's shameful that the Donald would do such a thing. I agree with you, Robert. They're going to pull every trick they can out of their bag because they can't afford the liability that this would create because it would be a huge liability to somebody with influence that comes out and says something like this. They, they can't afford that. Like when Jenny McCarthy first came out or when any well-known people that have come out and said the vaccine autism link is real, the media has attacked them somewhat vehemently mm-hmm. and – I think that Donald Trump here, not that I'm a great fan of Donald Trump or anything. I'm, you know, I think I, I kind of take everything he says with a grain of salt. But in this <laughs> particular case, you know, you got to you got to give him some accolades because he is coming out and saying something that is going to put him in the hot water. And yet it is true. In fact, if anything, he should have come out and been even more blunt about it. Yes. And I'm going to send out an email to my friend who is the the editor for some of Donald Trump's stuff, mm-hmm. it's like one degree of separation between Trump and myself, and tell them that I'll be happy to retort to this ABC. Well, the hit piece on Donald, basically. I mean, it really is turned into that. They're just attacking him, and it isn't just that they said it's shameful. But, I mean, you know, then they start claiming that the vaccine autism link is disproven. When we, we've shown the four or five studies that the CDC relies upon to claim there's no connection actually proves the opposite. Brian Hooker, Ph.D., has been on this show to dispute those claims, and the, the CDC is being sued over that. And the guy yeah. that, the, of course, they don't talk about any of that here. No, not at all. Not at all. And that shows you the disingenuousness of the major media here when they're defending a church the Church of Biological Mysticism or Modern Medicine, as opposed to legitimate science. You know, it's interesting, too, that the different news stations and their stances, because ABC has always been this pro-vaccine, anti-mercury vaccine link, where CBS has had a number of different news media outlets that have covered certain stories on this. In fact, when I did the... There was a public announcement and there was a a video public statement that was made or press release that was made that Dan Burton and Diane Watson did in D.C. And they asked me to come up. And that was actually aired on CBS World News Tonight. 
And it's interesting to see how the different news stations take their own stances and have their own belief systems, which has to reflect upon somebody high up in their in their hierarchy. Yeah, I would think so. But there therein lies the internal, let's say, controls of these major media outlets, whether it be, for instance, in, uh, was it NBC connects, connected to General Electric or one of these? I mean, General Electric is a major uh, military industrial complex thing. So that, you know, when Ron Paul speaks out against the military industrial complex, they, they have their pundits right away come on and try to dissuade their, their listening or viewing audience to acknowledge that, hey, maybe we don't need to be in a bunch of undeclared wars. Yeah, it is interesting how these various connections are, are maintained and the way that they support their own agenda. Each station, it would be interesting to be able to trace that back and see who's really making those decisions. Because it's obviously got to be just one particular person that's creating that slant on that particular piece of uh, news within that media. So yeah. it, it would be hard to say which one is what. But, of course, Fox has its reputation and and you know, ABC has its reputation. So they all they're all well associated with certain stances but even the picture that they put up of trump on this article mm-hmm. makes him look like he's got a hangover or something did you notice that <laughs> he's not looking good in the picture you're right yeah. i think this is purposeful much like they often would try to portray ron paul in that light to give him the worst lighting or shadows to make him look scary even though he's the most nonviolent person i've ever met and a principled man now here's you know they go in here and they they really spew out the propaganda they say the autism vaccine link has been disproven we know that's not not factual at all. And it even goes further. There's a Dr. Max Wisnitzer. What kind of name is that? Wisnitzer. I guess it's appropriate for a guy that's going to spew out some strange whiz. <laughs> he says, as we know from political campaigns, stating a claim repeatedly can lead a public belief in the concept, since these conclusions are not always based on rational thought processes, but also on an emotional thinking and preconceived notions. I think he's describing the vaccine agenda. right that's exactly here. That's what you call a projection. Yes, totally. Totally. Yeah, you take your own inadequacy and you project it upon the opposite person. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well said, Dr. Batari. He said, that's associate professor of pediatric neurology at Rainbow Babies and Children's Hospital in Cleveland, Ohio. Now, the scientific paper that they want to go after again is, guess what? The Andrew Wakefield observations. And his leading researcher, the senior researcher on it, was completely exonerated of any wrongdoing, which they barely mentioned in the media. Of course, then how is it possible that one of his underlings, Wakefield, as part of this paper, was suddenly, you know, some evildoer that that violated everything? And in fact, the, the findings were not disputed. What they're trying to argue is that because certain parts of the investigation were not approved by an ethics committee, that their conclusions were false. And what did he do? He observed the gastroenteritis or gastro, what we call the enterocolitis in the, uh, the kids who were vaccinated for, with the MMR. And, of course, we know what that leads to. We know why it happens. But he never said the link was solid, even though I know he knows it's the, the truth. So it's, it's interesting how they're still playing this up as well. And they're using this one study. They don't talk about all the other studies that were funded by the government, by the NIH, to show that there was no association between mercury in vaccines and autism. And yet it was exactly the opposite. They found not only was there was a correlation, not only was it statistically significant, but it was a very, very significant connection that when the researcher, and I can't remember his name now, wasn't it that uh, Brubaker guy? Yeah, exactly. Brubaker, uh, NIH funded him. They actually established in his study that there was a correlation. 
between thimerosal and vaccinations and autism. This was done in monkeys. And what's really interesting is that when the study was supposed to be presented at a conference, Brubaker himself couldn't go. And so one of the other people that was involved with the research, and it was somebody higher up than Brubaker, went in place of Brubaker. Brubaker had to go speak somewhere else. They gave the presentation, but completely flipped around the research to show that there was no connection, even though yes. this data actually showed it. And then when Brubaker found out about it, there was a protest and they fired Brubaker. And then there was a whole bunch of other things that ended up happening. And I don't know what the outcome was, but I do know that the individual that made that uh, presentation was given some type of ethical reprimand. I just don't know what it was. Yet nobody talks about these type of things. You know, this is what's amazing, This that, that there's no coverage mm-hmm. by the media on these very, very key components. Like when Dan Burton had the head of the FDA and the head of the FTC before him in committee in 2003. This is before the U.S. Congressional Subcommittee on Human Rights and Wellness And he asked the FTC, head of the FTC uh, and the head of the FDA, why is it that these these vaccines that are labeled thimerosal-free that we have, when we tested them, they actually showed they have mercury and they have various other types of preservatives. And yet it says thimerosal-free, preservative-free. And when he asked for the response, the FTC, the head of FTC said, well, you'd have to talk to the FDA about that. And they talked to the FDA about that. The FDA said, well... Mm -hmm. Because we no longer add thimerosal to the vaccines, we only use it in the manufacturing process. And so when it actually comes into the vial, we're not adding thimerosal. So by law, we don't have to disclose it because we didn't add it. It was done during the manufacturing process. So it's still going to show up when you do the testing because, of course, it's still there. But we don't have to disclose it. We don't have to put down that there was any thimerosal added. And the question is, again, why does it say thimerosal free? Yes. Because add it. Mm-hmm matter whether it's had, it's in there or not. We didn't add it, so we can say it's not aerosol free. Well, yeah, it's just like a you know a can of soda is sugar free, but it's got plenty of sugar in because well, we didn't add the sugar in. <laughs> it's just what is this? I mean, it's that so- Dan Burton asked for yeah. uh, criminal sanctions to be brought against the head of the FDA and the head of the FTC. Mm-hmm. You know, you would think that that would be some major major news out there, but none of the conventional news bodies picked that up, and. The vast majority of the public, when you ask them, they think, oh, there's no more mercury. In still, that. yeah. Still, the people yeah. to this day, I meet whenever the topic comes up, the two things that they always say about mercury, oh, well, we don't use it in amalgams anymore, mm-hmm. and we use it in, th- in vaccines anymore. And when they're told that we do, they look at me like I'm a three-toed sloth or something. <laughs> it's like, of course they don't. Hey. Everybody come to advanced medicine seminars in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. You'll see he does not look like a three-whatever sloth. <laughs> You'll meet Dr. Batar in person, and we'll be able to uh, certainly bring this kind of information to you and a whole lot more. Check it out, advancedmedicineseminars.com. We've got the links up in today's show notes at robertscottbell.com. Looking forward to seeing everybody up there in Philadelphia, September 21st and 22nd. So the links are up there. And we've got a lot more advanced medicine to do on the Robert Scott Bell Show, including some advanced medical political healing. Uh, Ron Paul had, some, had a major uh, presentation yesterday at the Sundome. We'll talk about that. i got some more audio clips that uh, I know Dr. Batar will be interested in. So stand by. we got lots more healing to go. Say thanks to those who are supporting us here on the United States and World of Health Talk Radio with a special edition. You know it with Dr. Batar. Advanced Medicine Monday. The Medical Rewind continues after this. Great heavens. What kind of radio show is this? The Robert Scott Bell Show.
taking on bureaucrats and corporations that would stand in the way of health freedom. Here's Robert. I mentioned Advanced Medicine Seminars coming up, and that's a big deal. Lots of cool stuff going to be happening, we'll be talking about. But, Dr. Batar, in these events, and you've been educating doctors, physicians for a long time as well, I imagine that they're still also surprised. It's not just the laypersons out there thinking that there's mercury-free vaccines, but they're probably still surprised when they hear there's still mercury in the shots. Well, they are some of the doctors that are surprised. Now, of course, the ones that have come through our training program, they know because this has been beaten into them. And they've, some of them have actually gone on themselves and written papers about this and, and done their own research and found other disturbing things. But, yes, the majority of the doctors out there, the medical profession, is not aware of these facts. And, in fact, if you look at the number of doctors that don't even know that thimerosal is ethyl mercury, that's appalling. Wow. We talk to a conventional pediatrician, they will tell their staff and they will tell their patients that there's no mercury, and yet there's thimerosal in there and stated very clearly. But in their mind, they're thinking mercury and thimerosal as two different things. And in a way, they're technically right because thimerosal is ethyl mercury, so it's an ethyl component, it's an organic form of mercury that is more assimilable in the body. It can assimilate with the proteins better than inorganic mercury, which is what we typically talk about when we're talking about amalgams. But still, it's mercury. It's mercuric, and it's far more uh, damaging than the inorganic mercury. So when you talk about the majority of the medical profession not even recognizing the word thimerosal is analogous to an organic form of mercury that assimilates with the proteins and is more destructive to Mm -hmm. the physiology you know, then you start getting a good sense of really how archaic our system is and how little the doctors know about this very, very vital issue. Yeah, doctors are not immune to the, the, the very same things any human being is immune to, being ignorant of certain things they haven't looked into, or maybe making assumptions or maybe just accepting at face value the authorities when they make statements like that there's no more mercury, there's no more thimerosal. But I, you know, I'm just writing a chapter to my book that I've been working on for a while about homeopathy, and rem- it reminded me of uh, Dr. Samuel Hahnemann, how he, he was motivated primarily because he saw the, the treatments of the medical doctors of his day were so horrific, including mercury. And it wasn't an unknown toxic poison. I mean, the, the effects of mercury were known and extensively written on, and he said, I can't stomach doing this to my patients. I have to find a better way. So here we are centuries later, and the doctors are still doing it. Yeah, and, and it's not something that the public, it, it, the information is not facilitated to the public. It's actually kept away from the public. And anytime somebody makes a comment, like let's say the Donald makes this comment, mm-hmm. he's ridiculed. And as you said, the religious connotations, negative connotations are shed upon him, like the word shameful and all these different things. They'll bestow him with these words that have other underlying pinnings to them, mm-hmm. has nothing do with the actual topic or the subject of science and of course if they were to have the science right in front of them presented to the public and being fair and objective about it you would see the overwhelming evidence in fact see the vast majority of people don't even know that ethyl mercury according to the material safety data sheet of Eli Lilly itself and Eli Lilly is a manufacturer of ethyl mercury of thimerosal their own material safety data sheet from 1991 this is a 21 year old document 
And for those people that don't know, material safety data sheet is something that's required of any type of chemical by the government. It's required when you have any type of chemical component. You have to, in fact, any type of cleaner, any type, you have soap, for instance. If it gets in your eyes, you inhale it, you ingest it, you, you can quickly call the poison control center and they'll look up the material safety data sheet of that particular substance. And the material safety data sheet will basically have everything from the toxicological components the uh, various implications, how it chemically breaks down, the structure, et cetera, et cetera, the morphological components. Mm-hmm. So when you look at Eli Lilly's own material safety data sheet from 1991, it clearly states that thimerosal is an potent neurotoxin and a carcinogen. Except, and, except when it's put into a vaccine, then it's magically transformed. Exactly. Yeah, it is stunning. It absolutely is stunning. And then, and also going back to what Donald Trump said, then the, another aspect or a way that they attack anybody, including parents, they'll say, well, uh, you're not a scientist or, you know, you don't have the kind of training that we have. So you can't possibly understand. This is very much like the priestcraft of old who says, well, you haven't read the, the historical uh, secret texts that are only available to us priestcraft. And it's the same thing. That's why when we make these religious references or they're utilizing them, it's very appropriate because it's not run as you would say scientifically. It is run as if it is a secret cult that only a few people are allowed to know. Everyone else is outside of that loop and therefore can be said to be, well, not worthy of being listened to. Or not having been anointed with the holy water. There you go. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, it's an important distinction to make when we are truly invested in in what what we perceive to be real science, and that is observation. And it is, uh, you know, to the best of our ability, not biased. We recognize just being human. There's uh, there's some kind of bias, but from the standpoint of selling, you know, billions of dollars of profitable drugs or vaccines, that kind of bias built into the system that so-called government agencies are funded by those very same interests, and they're invested in it. So why would they rule against it? And we even have a media complex that gets uh, the bulk of their advertising revenue from these very same companies and industries that the moment they the news organizations come out and report it there have been reports specifically i know firsthand where these companies have suddenly sent somebody in and said hey you you continue to run this story we're pulling all of our ads and they're worth x number of millions of dollars to you and of course the the news changes immediately well robert i'm looking at a press release uh, actually it's a report from boyd haley and boyd haley and i had been asked to be on I think it was Good Morning America where they had a five-part segment. Is that NBC, Good Morning America? Uh, that's an ABC, I believe. Okay, it must have been an ABC. I thought it was Good Morning America. It may have been NBC. There's something, some kind of uh, show. There's like- a Today Show on NBC. Today Show. That's what yep. it was, Today mm-hmm. Show. Mm-hmm. It was Today Show. They had contacted myself, and uh, the, the editor of the show got online. This is back in 2006, I think it was. And they said that they've gone down many paths eight, ten different paths, and what's interesting is the paths always have my name come up, and sometimes it was very negatively associated with the story or it was very positively associated, but they said every one of their paths had me in there. And so the lady starts asking me some questions, and she's telling me that they're getting ready to do this five-part special on autism, and um, they had some questions. They're talking to me, and as the conversation continues, she starts to get more and more excited, and, of course, I brought up the Eli Lilly material safety data sheet aspect to her. And when she heard about that, she couldn't believe it. She was just overwhelmed. And she's telling me that this, this is impossible, Dr. She goes, is there any way that y- you can prove that? Can you, can you establish that? Can you show me that? And I said, prove it. I've got a copy of the material safety data sheet. Yes. And she, like, freaks out. She's like, are you serious? I said, yes, of course. So she asked me to send it to her. I sent it to her. 
She calls me back about four hours later. She said, this is amazing. And then she starts asking me some more questions. We have some more uh, dialogue. And then all of a sudden she tells me, I think that you need to be on this, on the show. I said, well, that's fine. The next day she gets on and she's got one of her senior people on there and they start talking to me and they're saying, can you be on the show? Can you come here? Blah, blah, blah. And I'm, everything is arranged. And this is supposed to be about a month out there. And I had a conversation with Boyd Haley. Boyd said that he was also being interviewed. They came out to his lab. He did the the black screen smoking, mm-hmm. mer- the smoking amalgam yes. experiment with them, showed them underneath a black light how the outgassing is occurring. And they were fascinated. They were just beside themselves, and they were just thinking this is going to be a great show. And, uh, you know, they're calling my office, arranging for schedules, my, you know, flight time, hotel, all that stuff is being set up. And then three days before the the actual show, the three days before the filming of the show, and I think it was only part of it was supposed to be live, there's no communication. I had my personal assistant call, and the lady calls back, and she says, I'm sorry, Dr. Pitar, you're not going to be on the show. Mm. Thought, That's strange. And she, you could tell her voice was totally down. She was just in a different place, very low energy. It was as if something strange happened, and they put the kibosh on it. Well, I didn't know what happened. I ended up talking to Boyd, and I figured that Boyd was going. Boyd said, started laughing. He said, no, they also called me, and they told me that I'm not going to be on the show. And I said, why would they do that? And he started laughing. And he says, because – you know, you and I are going to say the truth, and they don't want what needs to be said on there. And I said, but they came. They were excited. They were interviewing us. They, mm-hmm. So I don't understand that. And, you know, the point is that, as Boyd pointed out to me at that point, I didn't know how this all worked, the, the politics behind it. But it was pointed out to me that there was obviously somebody higher up that had said this can't be stated. This can't be publicly, you know, come, come out on TV, and you can't, you can't do that. And when the show actually aired, they had one doctor who I happen to know. I'm not, you know, I'm not going to go into names and such, but we have always been a, a little bit opposed to each other. And he sat on the Dan think tank group, um, high up in that committee. But they had him on air, and this is what he said about mercury and amalgam. He said, "Well, you know, there may be some type of." Uh, correlation but it's certainly not significant this is the same guy that sits for on dan's committee in the think tank and is a doctor that many patients go through for treatment of autism and which i will tell you that i've treated over four dozen of his patients almost 50 of his patients i've treated because they didn't get any improvement some of them actually got worse but the point is that this is the type of person they would put on there somebody who would downplay something that they know is to be true and then about six months later i came to find out that there were some major pharmaceutical companies that were advertising during the breaks, and they were making, they were paying uh, the Today Show, or not Today Show, but the station, NBC, they were yes. paying $500,000 for a 60-second commercial or two 30-second commercials. And it was stated that if Boyd Haley and if myself were on that show, they would pull their their advertising. advertising. So you, if anybody out there thinks we're making this stuff up, this is the way the old media works. This is why the growth of the new media is happening and why it's so important what we're doing. I mean, I'm not full of myself in there, but the message has to get out. And that's why this advanced medicine version of the Robert Scott Bell Show is so very important, because we go to places that no one else can go. And the reason why you and Boyd were not allowed on there wasn't so much the message, because they can allow the message to eke out once in a while, but they can't do it with someone that they can't attack the credibility, right? If they go after Donald Trump, they can go, ha, 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 he's just a guy, he's a blowhard, he believes in a birther theory of this or that. 
But to go after a, a PhD researcher, medical doctor, physician, it, it's much more difficult. And so they realized they, they didn't have a way to, let's say, put the kibosh on what you were saying. Plus, you guys have such a posture. When you come out and talk about this, there is no vacillation. There is no maybe or what ifs like the other guy you said, the colleague who says, well, it's probably not significant, right? There is every bit of, and they knew it. There was no way they could stop it with you two. And PBS, in fact, when they came out and Frontline did their big story, I refused them three times. They wanted to come out three times. I said, no, unless you're willing to do it on my terms. And they finally called me and said, okay, we'll do it on your terms. What are your terms? And I said, you have to interview at least three of my patients. Your, your choice will give you, you know, 30, 40 patients to select from, but you have to uh, have at least three of my patients on that. They agreed to it. They were in my office. They filmed for nine hours all sorts of different things, phenomenal, mm-hmm. you know, videotaping. The one person came out from Seattle. The other one flew in from New York. Uh, they had the whole filming done. Very, very pleased. They were – you could just tell the excitement that they had with this material. They said this is going to be an unbelievable show. And when Frontline actually uh, aired, there wasn't a single component. They just had me mentioned as a controversial doctor and had like a cam video cam that was showing – the office from a strange, like, hidden camera view. Right. They, they never had any of the nine hours of video that they captured. And it was interesting the way that they positioned it. They had Offit and they had two other researchers, pro-vaccines, talking about how their lives were dedicated to furthering the vaccine research and helping to save children's lives from these infectious disease processes. And the counterpoint Myself and two other doctors were never, ever mentioned except for like I was the only one mentioned out of those three and and barely like 10 seconds only as a controversial doctor. The counterpoint to the vaccine pro vaccine people were mothers and the mothers were painted as these eccentric, hysterical, whatever you want to call it. They're non-scientific. They're yeah, exactly. Emotional, Mm -hmm. hysterical, one taco short of a combination platter type people. Mm -hmm. They just present it in a manner that the vast majority of the public would look and they still expect to fool most of the people. But I'll tell you, the people that I knew that saw it, they were angered. Yes. And I wasn't angry about it because I was like, well, at least you, uh, you, you know, got something. It's very evident. You know, yeah. at a certain point, certain people are going to look at it and go, wait a second. Mm-hmm. That doesn't make sense. You know, why don't you put a, if you're going to have a doctor or researcher up there on one side, why wouldn't you have a doctor and researcher on the other side? And they didn't. Right. No, they didn't. Listen, we got to take a break here. We're going to talk about some more advanced medicine, advanced political medicine. I promised to tease you a little bit of Ron Paul audio I want uh, Dr. Batar to hear. And, of course, uh, recognize that the old media is doing themselves in. They are committing suicide slowly but surely by what they do. The people are seeing it. That's why we're here. That's why we're growing. And that's why you want to come see us at the Advanced Medicine Seminars coming up. First one up, Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, September 21st and 22nd. Links are up at robertscottbell.com. Back after this. The Robert Scott Bell Bell Show. in the health world through the power of radio it's the robert scott bell show yesterday there was a big event at the sun dome at the university of south florida outside of tampa uh, ron paul had a big rally of course he draws more people than, than likely at the rnc which is funny but not surprising ron paul refused to compromise principles he refused to endorse un- unequivocally uh, mitt romney because it would violate his principles so they didn't invite him to speak so he had his own rally again which we love and Dr. Batar, we always enjoy playing some Ron Paul because he's a physician as well, but he's so, so into freedom. He doesn't hold back. Principles 
are where we are at, too. So I want to play a couple of clips for us and uh, have you comment on it. You up for that? Yeah. All right, let's hear Ron Paul. He's talking. I think he's going to mention raw milk in this one. It is true. In a free society, you can pick your nutritional products, and you can make your own choices, and you can drink raw milk. But you also, in a free society, you're allowed to make even more controversial uh, choices. You might even decide to drink alcohol. And, uh, and, you know, there's a little bit of risk in alcohol, but in a free, truly free society, they tried that alcohol business one time. It didn't work very well. Too many politicians drank alcohol, so they finally <laughs> repealed that. <laughs> but, yes, you would be allowed to make a decision on what kind of uh, what, what things you smoke and drink or eat or whatever you do to your own body. Amazing. That is amazing that, you know, we're at a point where we actually have to beg to be adults to our own government. Can we be allowed to make our own decisions, please? Yeah, exactly. It's uh, ridiculous. It reminds me of when I was in the Army and when I took over a certain part of the uh, health care at, at Fort Jackson. I took over the PES station, the physical exam station. I was the chief of the ER that had me take over this other section for mm-hmm. a short while. And when I took over... Uh, it was a unique situation because I was a captain at the time, and there were people that were senior to me, majors that worked for me, that in the dental area and physical therapy area. So it was kind of a strange scenario. But I remember when I got there the first day, the non-commissioned officers in charge came in. They asked me if they could drink water. They could have drinking water on the tables. Wow! It was like a joke. And I'm looking around, and and, the guy, and he said, "And can we also chew gum?" Oh, really? Said, is this is this like a joke? And he said, "No, sir. Well, you know, Colonel Fitchett, the person who, was, who I took over for, didn't allow us to have um, water at the at our desks, or we couldn't chew tape, uh, ch- couldn't chew chewing gum." Yes. And I remember just you know sitting there looking at him like I really thought it was a joke. And to me, you know, I, and I, this is what I told him. I said, "Look, you're willing to give your life for your country. I think you can make the decision whether you can have water at your table or you can chew gum or not." Yes, exactly. And I think one of the big points that Ron Paul makes is that, well, the one thing you can't do is if, you, if you're going to behave like an adult, which is what we'd like, is that you can't then come to the government and say, can you bail me out? Yep, exactly. So, and, and if it's the same thing when people come to you for healing, Dr. Batara, for me, we can't do it for them. If they've damaged their life so much, we can't pretend that, well, you can just keep living the same way and here, just take this. I mean, that's, that would be highly irresponsible of us, but that's what a lot of the medical community does. In fact, it's expected, you know, this is what, it's almost a social thing. The most important thing for a hospital is the social acceptance and customer service. They don't care whether or not you end up doing the right thing for the patient. They just want the patient to be happy. I can't tell you how many times the hospital administrator would come down into the ER and tell me, demand that I write a prescription for antibiotics. And I'd turn right around to the hospital administrator and say, when the state, well, why don't you write them a prescription <laughs> for an antibiotics? And oh, by the way, I just realized you can't write the prescription for the antibiotics because the state hasn't given you a license to write for a prescription. I haven't, you know, to get out of my face. Don't talk to me about that. But in in other words, they would come down and tell the doctors to write a prescription to appease the patient so that the customer satisfaction reports and surveys would high. They didn't care that the child would be given an unnecessary antibiotic, have the gut flora ripped apart. And regardless of the fact that statistically 80% of those ear infections were viral in etiology and not bacterial, they didn't care about any of that. They just wanted the parent to be appeased, to be satisfied that they got 
seen in a timely fashion and were given some type of a prescription that they wanted. Right. You know, I I'd always wished when I learned about this, Dr. Batari, that docs would just write like placephin, you know, placebo rocephin or something, just something that was fake that would make them go away. It was just a regular pill with nothing in it. And you knew they didn't have a bacterial infection, so it was worthless. But at the same time, as you say, these people, they, they demand, I need a pill, I need a drug. If not, I, I've wasted my time and money. Well, wasted my time and money is one thing, but then they go and they complain. And they, I mean, there are doctors that have been fired from hospitals because they did the right thing, but the patient wanted something else. Right. And, you know, I, I got in trouble. I remember I got a reprimand from the hospital. It actually went to committee and it was dropped. But I got a reprimand because a doctor complained that his patient that came in for an acute asthmatic attack that I had treated once previously in the emergency room and gave them an hour-long lecture on why they should stop smoking when they came back in six months later with another acute asthmatic attack with yes. the cigarettes in his pocket. Incredible. And I basically told him that you got to stop smoking, that the doctor was pissed off that I talked to, the doc- to his patient yes. and, and talked about smoking cessation. It's amazing because if you're a good doctor, you risk getting fired. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well hey, there's a... I'm sorry. There's a story here I wanted to get to, and it relates sort of to the antibiotics. It's a story from Fox News. It says gut infections may be linked to inflammatory bowel disease. And I'm thinking that could be a moment of duh, but also the other way around. The preceding infl- inflammation could could have preceded the infection. So often they're they're chasing you know the, the cart or putting the cart before the horse on this issue. Yeah, it is very much like what came first, the chicken or the egg type of scenario. But inflammatory bowel disease... You know, to say that gut infections may be linked to it, I honestly believe that in having treated a lot of gut issues, ulcerative colitis, Crohn's disease, many of these nonspecific uh, gut dysbiosis type conditions, that a lot of this has to do with the vacillating bowel function that we have as a result to chronic abuse of antibiotics. Oh, yes. And, and the vaccines, we know the gut damage that occurs there. Of course, you write about it extensively in all the different toxicities we have to deal with in the nine steps to keep the doctor away. And you talk about it. It's not only one thing. As we say, it's a little bit of everything. When I say vaccines, antibiotics, additives, preservatives, colorings, flavorings, GMOs, pesticides, you name it, all of those things are considered. You've written about them. You've seen it clinically. Yeah, it, it's very, very true, Robert, that it really surrounds us. And we have to kind of look at it from a global perspective take an aerial shot and look down and then start hitting them one at a time. And that's the reason I kind of broke it down the seven different toxicities so that there's a one area uh, that you can hit just for even one thing that you do in, you know, toxicity one, which is the metals and the one you do in persistent organic pollutants, you, you at least hit the major ones and then you can kind of go through and start hitting more and more of them. And it's almost like peeling an onion, but it is very multifaceted. You're absolutely right. Yeah, so that when I see these stories, like, you know, we always tend to want to go deeper because, you know, there could be some good information. And we're not saying that there's nothing in the media that isn't good, but you really got to uh, parse it and look below the words and, and expand on it because they talk about Crohn's disease, etc. You know, I have methods that I work with, homeopathics and silver, all different things that I'll use to help correct things. I had to do that. It took two years when I first started, when I knew very little about natural medicine to overcome the 24 years prior. A lot of it got damage based from vaccines and antibiotics in my own life yeah and this is something that so many people suffer from in the western hemisphere uh, and i'm sure a lot in the eastern too with the advent of western you know foods and and um, different types of things that people take ingest antibiotics and some of these other drugs that we're talking about but it really is one of the most significant assaults on health 
when you start looking at what's happening to the gastrointestinal system just by what we're eating. Yeah, exactly. By the way, I know we have a lot of loyal, long-time listeners that look forward to this uh, Advanced Medicine Monday with Dr. Batar every week, as I do, but we also have a lot of new listeners, and we want to thank them and welcome you all here. Special time of the week where we kick it off with Dr. Batar, and I don't want to assume everybody knows about his international best-selling book, The Nine Steps to Keep the Doctor Away. You can go to robertscottbell.com. You'll see it there. You'll see it at Medical Rewind, Dr. Batar's website. All of those things are linked linked up on the show notes today at robertscabell.com. So check it out. We're going to take a break and be back uh, to wrap it up with all kinds of healing, a bizarre story out of one of those hospitals when they when they talk about replacing body parts. You're not going to believe this one. I almost don't want to cover it, but I will. Stand by. Dr. Batar and I will continue after this. You're listening to The Robert Scott Bell Show. Robert Scott, the Bell Robert Show. Scott Bell Show. Is it true that we're all just going to wear out our body parts and we've got to get them replaced? Here's a bizarre story. This one comes courtesy of uh, Dr. Patar. Your wife sent this one through. I didn't see this, but uh, a known uh, a major, I guess, facility that does these transplants, there was a kidney thrown in the trash from a living donor. I mean, you want to talk about a disaster. A person that donates a kidney and they just trash it? I mean, is yeah, People are sometimes on these lists for literally years to find the right type and cross match, and to have this happen. I mean, the, just imagine the devastation of that person that was waiting for that transplant and has been waiting for it for months to years, and now doesn't have it. Yeah, do you think there might be a strategy or two for people to protect their and keep their body parts, including their kidneys? Yeah, <laughs> somebody take your kidney. Yeah, exactly. <sighs> you know, it says over here that there's 16,816 kidney transplants nationwide last year from live donors and from those who consented to organ donation through state registries. And, you know, usually kidney transplants is one of the few organs, not like a heart transplant or a liver transplant where the person has to die before, mm-hmm. you know, they can donate. People sometimes give one kidney to a family member to try to keep them alive. So we don't even know how devastating this could have been, actually, because if this was a live donor, then just imagine not only the person who's waiting for that kidney, but the person who donated the kidney. Oh, and it's, and it's a brutal thing to go through to have a body part like that removed. Oh, absolutely. That's unbelievable. Yeah, so what, what, what can we do? I mean, we talked about the kidneys, uh, a lot, a lot of uh, kidney problems being related to cadmium, if not, uh, if I remember correctly, Dr. Batar. Uh, well, actually, that was that was lungs. A lot of lung issues are cadmium related, but kidneys certainly do have a cadmium issue, lead issue, mercury issue. There's always a higher propensity of accumulation of these heavy metals within the renal parenchyma, and that's one reason you initially see a bump up in the renal function in the BUN and creatinine when you measure it in a person when you're doing chelation, and then you see a drop. And essentially, the numbers as they go up higher, that means the kidneys are having to work harder. And when you see a drop, that means the kidneys are working more efficiently with less burden. Mm-hmm. And the reason you see that initial upregulation in the kidney function, meaning that it's having to work harder, is because yes. the kidneys are naturally filtering all the metals out. And so there's a greater propensity for deposition of those metals within the renal parenchyma. And then as you start to clean up, as the body's getting chelated and you start cleaning up the kidneys, mm-hmm. the first place you're going to see those metals start to come out of is the renal parenchyma because that's where the chelators are being concentrated. And so you have an improvement in the kidney function and that bump up is initially because that stuff is getting moved out, the sludge, if you will, and then as everything gets cleaned out, then you see the kidneys become even more efficient and kidney function becomes lower. And uh, it's it's pretty significant uh, when you have a person that's pre 
pre-dialysis or borderline renal failure and you see them become normal, their Mm -hmm. renal function becoming normal and you know, it's very emotional for them, obviously, because there's no nothing, there's no known cure to take renal function and bring it back. So, somebody who's borderline renal failure or early dialysis, there's no such thing as reversing that with conventional medicine. There's no me- drugs you can do. In fact, the drugs, non-steroidal anti-inflammatories, and such, are right. contributory to this to make the kidneys get worse. So, when you have see see somebody that can actually have the reversal of that it's very emotional for the individual and the basic way of doing that is just getting chelation yes and that was the memory actually you just nailed it the the end stage we talked about with kidney function renal function even blood pressure issues the end state impact on the kidneys of course the liver simultaneously to that any metal as we know also will bind out the selenium which is utilized in the in the you know normal pathways glutathione production metallothionines etc and, of course, we see so many of these minerals being ripped out of our body in the presence of these metals because our body is desperately using them to protect us. Absolutely. That's absolutely correct. So we're about out of time here on another Advanced Medicine Monday. What a sensational uh, uh, Advanced Medicine we did, starting with Donald Trump ending on kidney uh, transplants. Somehow we, we navigate the terrain, including some Ron Paul discussion. want to remind everybody, or, or Dr. Batar, why don't you do a quick promo on the Advanced Medicine Seminars coming up in Philly? Well, advanced medicine seminars start off in Philadelphia. They will go from Philadelphia to Houston in in November. Then we'll be in Phoenix in January. And then I believe we are in San Francisco in March. And then we end up in Chicago in May. And we start back on the, on the uh, eastern seaboard in the southeast. And uh, as far as I'm concerned, everybody should be there. You know what's really strange, Robert, is right now we have more doctors registered than we have uh, the general public. So that's uh, surprising to me, but it's also I'm grateful for that. But individuals that come, mm-hmm. it is going to be something that they will not forget. And we also have a guarantee, Robert. I put this guarantee on there. I told my staff I wanted to put this guarantee that we put for our training program for doctors with AMSPA, and that is that by lunch of the, first, of the day that we are open for the general session, if people are not blown away and don't believe that they've already gotten more their money's than worth, yeah. We're going to have a 100% money-back guarantee for anybody. Beautiful. And no one, no one's going to ask for money back. I know what stuff is going to be happening there. It's going to be awesome. I look forward to it. Dr. Batar, thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody, for being on board Advanced Medicine Monday. And we've got lots more healing to go, but we're out of time today. Thank you so much. And uh, it's time to remind everybody, you included, the power to heal is yours. <laughs> <laughs> 